Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. We're in the midst of our, our, our Acts Part 2 series um, in Chapter 20 today. Uh, and then we're going to take a break next week. But what a great place to have a missions conference right in the middle of the book of Acts, right in the middle of what Paul was doing back in the day. Um, and in Acts 20, we, we pick it up. He's already in the midst of his third mission trip, uh, his final mission trip that we, that we have record of. Um, and, and we see that, that in this book, uh, in this chapter, Acts 20, that it takes perseverance to be a part of turning the world upside down. They were, they were complained about and griped about by religious leaders that these guys here are turning our world upside down. It was a knock against them, and, and yet it was kind of like, thank you, thanks for saying that, because uh, the world needed to be turned really right side up, but uh, upside down according to what they were feeling and, and, and going through with all the pagan stuff that was going on where Paul went and all the religious stuff that was going on uh, with the Jews then as well. So we see in this chapter, we see them, and really up to this point and even unto the very last chapter of Acts, it's hard stuff. They're going through, they're, they're taking every opportunity to advance the gospel and, and share with people. They're praising God uh, in the midst of the sweet and the sour of life. And, and they realize that it's, it's a journey. So along with this journey, we have to persevere along the way because with some of the bends and turns and ups and downs and, and stuff that happens from the, the outside or just what we're feeling on the inside, it can be challenging. So we have to persevere. The journey of our lives has many twists and turns, where we've come from, where we're going, and everything in between. There's so much to all of it, and it takes perseverance. It takes being spirit-led in all that we do. It takes a Jesus community that we're immersed in, uh, that your family is immersed in, in order to, to live the life that Jesus has saved you and called you to live. And so our big idea today is no matter what, live on mission. It's one of our core values. Uh, as we live on mission, we sacrificially and generously love, serve, and give here and around the world and it's the, really the mission and heartbeat of Paul as he lived his life that we're studying so intently right now. It's on this particular mission trip that Paul's on that he probably wrote the book of Romans and 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians uh, 11, he, he kind of gives a little uh, overview of the stuff he went through. He says, I, I traveled a lot. Danger came at me in the, in the form of raging rivers and thieves, the danger of my own people, the, the Jews and the Gentiles both came at me in cities and in deserts and on oceans. It was hard. I had fake friends along the way who said they loved and followed Jesus, and they really didn't because they were all about themselves, and they attacked me in the midst of it. Paul went through all of that. And he persevered because his eyes were on Jesus the whole time, the, the Savior who, who arrested him on a road to go torture people, just like he had had, had the, uh, the sadness of having to deal with himself. Jesus saved him in the midst of his own pride and arrogance. And it's funny because uh, in spite of um, all the difficult times that the Holy Spirit promised Paul, because he said, these things are coming, 
When you go there, these are the things that are coming. And the Holy Spirit kind of showed him this, this, this real bad, like if I were to read it, I'd be like, well, I don't want that, right? And like, none of us would like that. It's like, can you, can you give me a different, uh, I want a different screenplay for my life. I, I don't want that screenplay. Give that to somebody else who loves running through walls and then getting hit because of it. Um, and so Paul was was shown by the Holy Spirit, you're going to walk through all these tough times. And for him, that was confirmation that he needed to go. I mean, how many of us would be like, if God said, hey, you're going to have shipwrecks and bit by a poisonous snake and people are going to turn on you and your own people are going to, going to beat you, you're going to get put in jail a few times, uh, all this stuff. If God said you're going to do all that, how many of us would be like, that's confirmation, I should go. I would be like, that's probably confirmation Mark should go, um, you know, or whatever it might be. But but he's like, I need to go there. If there's that much opposition, then those people are on the precipice of choosing eternity. So if I go, they will choose Jesus. I mean, Jesus tells us in Matthew, I think it's 10 and Matthew 16, two different times, he says, to follow me, you have to take what? Take up your cross. Not a beautiful little diamond-encrusted cross on your neck. You're an instrument of death. You have to take that to follow me in order to go where I am calling you to go, where I need you to go, where, 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 where history for, that's written by God wants you to go. You have to pick up your cross and carry it forward, and it's, and it's hard, and Jesus can with us say, I know what that's like. Like, I went all the way and got nailed to it, but I know what it's like to carry it. We're gonna do a... A quick overview of Acts 20, I'll just run through it. Uh, if you want to turn there, we're going to be in there almost the whole time, and then we're going to hone in on a part of it. Uh, Acts 20 is probably, for me, it's probably one of my favorite three chapters in the entire Bible. Uh, if you want to write a, like a, a Christian uh, <coughs> comedy drama and have all the aspects of it, Acts 20 is where you could get six episodes and, and just have like crazy, wild, funny stuff and like all oh, tender, heart-wrenching stuff and like jump, you know, jump through like crazy uh, walls stuff. It's, it's such a beautiful, uh, a beautiful chapter of just so much happening in this, this one group of 38 verses. Um, so just running through it real quick together. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read some of it, and then we're going to come back to camp on some of it. But in, in verses 1 through 6, you see this great encouragement happening. Paul deals with uh, another riot. Uh, then he teaches and encourages the church we see here. He heads to Macedonia and Greece to do the same thing for three months. He plans to go to Syria, and those plans change uh, he found out that some Jews wanted to kill him along the way, and, and the Holy Spirit changed his plan uh, with that. So he heads back through Macedonia to come to uh, Troas uh, there. And then in verses 7 through 12, uh, we read about the greatest lesson ever. Don't sleep in church. Or from the other perspective, preacher, don't preach till midnight. Whichever one you attest to on the first day of the week, verse 7 says... We gather with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking till midnight. The upper, upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps as Paul spoke on and on. I love how Luke writes that. I wonder if Paul read that before he died. Luke, why'd you say on and on, you know? A young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, 
teenager, been playing Xbox all night. He's really tired. Um, he became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. That will change a, uh, a Sunday service like nothing else, right? Oh, watch out. Uh, and then this is interesting, verse 10. Paul went down, bent over him, took him into his arms. Some versions say laid on top of him. But we get this picture whether he just laid down and grabbed him or he grabbed him, dead guy. So dead, I don't know, we'll just say he's 18. Um, dead guy there. And Paul says, don't worry, he's alive. We're not told like he prayed for him. He was dead, so obviously there was no breath in him and all of a sudden, we don't know. We don't know the rest of the story there for him, really. Uh, but then it says, then they all went back upstairs, shared the Lord's Supper, ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn. And then he left. He's like, he's not dead. Let's go eat. And I'm going to keep talking. I got five hours left, right? Meanwhile, the young man was taken home unhurt. Everyone was greatly relieved. Just such an interesting story. I love the Bible because it doesn't just give you all these uh, like just nuts and bolts, uh, like um, to-do lists and stuff. It has real stories. A drowsy 19, 18, 19-year-old 19 uh, falls asleep at midnight because a guy just talked on and on and on. He dies. Guy goes, hugs him. Uh, he's not dead. Let's go eat. I got more talking to do. And everybody was happy. Such a cool story. Eutychus. Obviously needed friends to teach him not to fall asleep in third-story windows. That's a different story. But, um, you know, as, as, he, as he hits the ground, I love that Paul just stops what he's doing. He goes down there because people matter. He didn't say, hey, go take him to the morgue or whatever. He's like, I'm going to go take care of this. He's alive, goes back up, preaches. Then we read on in verses 13 through 17, Paul goes sailing trying to get back to Jerusalem as quickly as possible, stops along the way, and, and uh, there, he's not far on the coast there from the Ephesian church, so he calls all the leaders, realizing, we'll see in a moment, I'm not gonna see them again on planet Earth. In our lifetime, we're not gonna, we're not gonna break bread together again. I'm not gonna bore somebody and have them fall out a window like I did over there. Like, this is my last time with this church that I love, so he calls all the leaders and and wants to spend some time with them. And then on into verse, uh, verses 18 through 27, we see Paul living on mission. Like this is what it's all about. When they arrived, the Ephesian leaders, he said, you know from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I've done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that came at me from the plots of Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I've had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Spirit tells me that in city after city, jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I've preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I've been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. 
for I didn't shrink from telling you, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. And then in verses 28 through 38, we see that relationship and community is precious. So guard yourselves and God's people. uh, Paul tells them, Luke's writing it. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. And then he goes on and he talks about uh, just living a giving life. And he, he mentions Jesus. He said, remember the, the words of Jesus, it's more blessed to give than receive. And in verse 36, when he finished speaking, he knelt down and prayed with him. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all, because he said they would never see him again, and they escorted him down to the ship, and he gets on, and he moves forward in his mission trip there. One thing I want to just highlight here before we go and, and kind of hone in on, on some verses before this, but uh, verses 28 through 32, Paul's talking to leaders, elders, uh, the church leadership, and, and, and one of the things I love about this church is that This is who we as HCF leaders and elders and pastors aim to be. We're appointed uh, by God. We're led by the Holy Spirit. And we share mutual leadership together. And it's just such a safe place to be because it's not one person in charge of everything, making all the decisions and a bunch of people around them that just say yes, 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 whatever you want. It's mutual leadership assigned by the Holy Spirit, approved by the church body, and, and, and humbly sharing and giving their lives away as they lead a church. Uh, that's the kind of church leadership Paul was talking to there um, as he was really encouraging them. In verses... 18 through 25 that we, we read about um, a, l- a little earlier, we, we see that persevering can be tough. Paul says all the kind of tough things that I've gone through and the tough things the Holy Spirit says are ahead, and, and I don't even know what's happening in Jerusalem when I get there. Um, and I think there's, there's three lessons we really learn from verse 24. Verse 24 is probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It was one of my motivators when I became a missionary uh, all those years ago. Um, I probably would have been the guy that fell out the window, not going to lie. But uh, fortunately, God never had me uh, sit in a window at midnight and try and listen to a guy go on and on. Uh, But but at that age, I was just highly motivated by God. He saved me. He rescued me from myself. I was so selfish and self-centered and and tried to live as hard of a life as possible. And God saved me. And he said, I got something for you, but I want you to go and give your life away on a mission. And so this was a, verse 24 was a, was a, a verse that the Lord used um, as, he, as he showed me it's a race. I'm giving you an assignment, and I want you to live as a witness for me. Paul writes, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others the good news 
about the wonderful grace of God. Paul's saying to us, no matter what, live on mission. No matter what that looks like, it does not mean you have to go to Africa or India or Uganda. It could be that. But wherever we go, we live on mission because it's about the one, right? It's another one of our core values. It's about the one. Jesus took time for each one and so will we. So lesson number one, it's a race. Paul compares it to being, Paul compares to uh, living on mission to, to this race. He says, finishing the work, or some versions say, uh, running the race or, or running the course. Jesus told him to run this race, and Paul says, I, I did, I, I've done it, and I'm doing it. I don't know how much longer I've got, but I'm going to keep running as hard as possible. And, and we as a, as a church family, we run it together. We're not competing against each other in this race. We're running the race as a team. And, and there is an opponent called the world, and there is an opponent called the enemy who wants to trip us up, get us on bunny paths, uh, you know, get us thrown off course or, or, or tripped up and, and not feeling like you know, running anymore because I got a little blood on me or whatever it might be. But we don't run against one another. We run with one another so that when I do trip up, it's easier to get up because everybody running this race is with me and for me, ultimately for Jesus. The enemy in the world, they don't even get in the race, really. They're just on the sidelines doing mean things. Community matters. When Paul says you're running, you're, you're running a race, this is, this is you finishing the work. The work is a church family, a small caring community, people in it together. He talks about this in the book of Galatians that he writes. And in this, he, in Galatians chapter five, he's, he's talking about freedom in Christ. We've been set free to live a free life. And he says, don't get bogged down by rules and religion and the things you once did or the things that religious people want you to do. Don't get off track that way. Don't try to do things that you don't need to do in this race. Like, who would run a race and be like, I'm going to pick up as many weights as I can along the way? Nobody. I mean, maybe if you're like a Spartan racer and it's like, I love this. That, but that, you're not even real. Uh, there's something wrong with your brain. Um, but like, we run this race and we want to run unfettered, like he says in Hebrews. But Paul, Paul says, you were running the race so well. Galatians 5, 7. Who has held you back from following the truth? This is why community matters so much because we can get off track or off pace or way down. So what does your community do for you? What does the community that, that, that loves you and that you love do for you? Does it, does it encourage you and help you be more like Jesus or, or does it distract you and, and cause you to aim for things that that are not a part of the race, that, that race that God has for you, to live in truth, to be at peace, to have an abundant life. Does your community help you live that out? If they don't, you either need to get them all saved and on track or you need a new community. And if they do, praise God, live that out. That's what you're called to live. As I grow older, I think more about finishing the race. I think it's natural for, for anyone who is a, as they age, they're like, hey, I don't know if I can see the finish line, but it's there. It's a lot closer than it was 30 years ago. 
And, and I know that for me, I've certainly run with great bursts of speed at time. I've run really, you know, consistently at times. I've run with great energy. I've run carefree at times. I've stumbled and bumbled along the way. I've had my fair, of, my fair share of cuts and, and bruises and, and getting into an off-beaten path and being like, where'd the track go? Some of it brought pain and discomfort that I heaped upon myself or found myself in or whatever it might be. I, I've stopped and contemplated at times over the decades of running whether I should just tap out and wave the white flag. I've been intentionally tackled and, and beaten by people who claim to be running the same race, kind of like what Paul says. But Jesus and great community are the reasons that I have run well, I still run well, and I will run well until the last step I take. Jesus and great community are the ways that you run well in this race. There's no need to falter or stop before we get to the finish line. I know others who've quit. Some have fallen and stayed down. Some chose to start running an entirely different course altogether for some reason. Some got hurt and, and wounded and they just stayed there and they're like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Just not going to get back on track. For me, I look back and I say, praise God that people who love me and love him and the Holy Spirit help me run and run well. And I can thank God every day. If I struggle with finding something to thank God for in a given day, which I usually don't, I can always thank God for, for great people in the Holy Spirit who help me run well. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Paul tells us, he says, everyone runs in a race so run to win the prize. Don't just run just for the sake of running. There's something to run for. Run for the finish line. And I don't run with a grimmest heart or a grimmest face or a calloused heart in any way. I run and I will finish that race with joy. I'm gonna enjoy it along the way and I'm gonna really enjoy it at the end. It's gonna be nice when I don't have to run that race anymore, but... Until then, I still have a lot of joy running it. I mean, what winner of a, of a race isn't happy? You, and you watch like some of these, I still don't get why they run marathons like in Boston and New York. I, I do not understand that, but they all look happy and, and they can come in first, 51st, or that last person who crossed the line and they're so full of joy because they just love the race and they love finishing the race. People who cross the finish line are full of joy. We're supposed to run with joy and finish with joy. In Hebrews 12, one and two that I mentioned earlier, we're encouraged to, to run the race without anything weighing us down or trapping us as we look up, eyes up, eyes on Jesus. And then the author compares our race with the perseverance of Jesus enduring the cross with joy. Like, I know that my life is nowhere near as hard as what Jesus went through. Not even close. But the author of Hebrews says, 
just like what Jesus went through with joy. And I'm like, not really. Really. But not really, because it's just me in Central Texas. And no, the word of God says you're enduring, you're enduring it like, with joy just like Jesus did. And I'm like, wow, Jesus is so cool. Like he's so humble and real. And he's like, I'm gonna let you be compared to me. And I'm not even gonna hold that over you. Like, I love that you're compared to what I go through. He's just that cool. He's not some high and lofty person saying, well, we'll say the words, but we really don't mean it. He's saying, you walk through this life, you run through this race, you endure through it all with perseverance, with joy, just like I endured the cross. It's a heck of a comparison. And God wants you to know that you can do it and that he's for you, so keep running. Second lesson is, it's a job. It's an assignment, finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. I serve and I do his will. Now, I don't always like that because sometimes I feel less in charge of things or I feel like, hey, aren't you kind of using me to do your bidding, God? But I only think that way when I'm selfish and self-centered because when I focus on the one who died and rose again to save me, it gets me right on track with the job, the assignment given to me. When I know who I know and I listen to the one inside of me called the Holy Spirit, it's as easy as it gets to persevere. It's really not hard to persevere when you know that you know him and he knows you and he's like, we got this, we can do this. Isaiah 41.10 we see a God who's for us. Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. It's God's battle to fight. So stay on course. A great servant wants to please the one that he faithfully serves. So where are you serving Jesus faithfully right now? If something comes to mind, praise God, keep going. If nothing comes to mind, you're like, I don't know that I'm really faithfully serving Jesus right now. That can change in an instant. It's, it's repentance and a decision. And he's not gonna hold it over you like, you know, it took until February of 2024 for you to finally realize that. He's gonna say, I'm so excited that in February 2024, you realize that. That's the kind of God he is. He's an encouraging God. His victorious right hand holds you up. So he's like, let's go now. You can faithfully serve him in what he calls you to. And if you're like, I, I want to, but I don't know what to do, just talk to some of us. We will help you step into that which is fulfilling and life bringing for you. Then that brings us to lesson number three, a witness. Paul says, the, the work assigned to me that I finish is the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Tell your story. Endure through the awkwardness that it might bring, maybe telling it for the first time. Maybe, maybe telling it to, to someone who's known you for a long time and you're like, they're just gonna poke holes in my story 
Let them poke holes in your story. That's conversation. And every answer you give is, Jesus just loves me. Jesus just did this. I, I don't get it all yet. I'm getting it more and more, but like, here's what I was, the mess of my life. Here's the message that Jesus gave me. Good news, grace, forgiveness, mercy, repentance, reconciliation. And, and like, here I am now, and I like life. That's my story. And if you don't poke holes in that, poke holes in that. It might be awkward to persevere, but tell your story. See those people that he has you tell your story to as ones that Jesus heartachingly longs to rescue. Remember, it's about the one. Tell someone. See, a witness that Paul's talking about describes what he knows or what he's seen. That's why your story of Jesus in your life and in your situations is the greatest truth you can tell. The purest theology you can give away is your story of Jesus in you. Better than memorizing all of this and having an encyclopedia knowledge of, well, this is what the Greek and the Hebrew and the Latin, not that that's a bad thing. I say it like it's negative. I shouldn't say that. But you don't have to describe Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Tell your story. It's the purest theology there is. Jesus in your life, which gives Hope and glorifies him, Colossians 1, 27. It's the best theology you can share. Telling your story is what gets people to understand his heart for them better than having them go through and pass a class. Don't ever discount his story in your life. That's what wins battles against the enemy, Revelation 12, 11. And if you're walking with God, it will just flow out of you. I don't have to memorize all the, uh, you know, the, the stuff that a seminary might tell me to memorize and, and try to figure it out and, and say it all perfectly. It's like, oh, I don't remember that, you know, point number seven of, of, of lesson number 14. I, I can't remember that. Here's what I can remember. This is who I was. This is what Jesus did. And this is who I am now. I can remember my story because I lived my story. You remember your story? Because you lived your story. Your life is the message. At the end of Acts 20, it's interesting because Paul kind of sets aside this, this powerful bust through the walls on a mission field mindset, and he gets really loving, like a tender shepherd. We don't see, uh, we don't read a lot about Paul's tender, loving shepherd heart. We see it a little bit with Timothy and Titus and uh, we see it kind of with the Philippian church, and then we see it here with the Ephesian leaders. And the reason that he sets aside that let's go jump, you know, jump through fire and all this stuff, uh, and, he, and he sets that aside for a moment is because he genuinely loved them. They were the mission, not traveling or planting churches or assigning leaders. People are the mission. We live on mission about the one. And, and when I plan a church, it's for people. When I go on mission trips, it's for people. When I, when I teach, it's for people. But, but I cannot lose the reality that people are the mission. Every time the Texas Ramp Projects builds a ramp for somebody who can't get out of their house, that person is the mission. Not finishing this up so we can say we did one more ramp in Central Texas. That's a stat. The person is the mission. 
So Paul basically says, as he wraps it up, it's so much better to be a giving person as, to, as opposed to like a hoarder or a taker. Just give your life away and you will be just like Jesus. Then they knelt down and they prayed and they wept as they said goodbye. So as you purpose to live on mission no matter what, who's that one that, that needs to hear your story that needs your love in their life, that, that needs your presence with them or your time for them. I'm gonna ask you to stand right now. I'm gonna pray as we go into this last song. There's an individual, there's a couple, there's a family that God's saying, go and be with them, be in their midst. Tell my story in your life to them. Care for them in what they're going through. Answer them as they look for direction. And you can do this because of Christ in you, the hope of glory. He gets the glory by how you live your life. He gets the glory by saving that person, but it's in you that they get the Jesus. Your Jesus to them. And I know you're not perfect, yet you are. You are. The perfect one lives in you. But there's a, there's a couple, there's a guy who's just living hard, trying to make his mark in life. There's a, there's a, there's a girl, there's a lady just trying to find purpose in life. There's a couple that's just trying to figure it out. There's a family that is just spiraling in chaos, and they need you. They need what you've got because you've got Jesus. So Jesus, we pray right now, and that one, that couple, that family that, that comes to mind that we know already, that we need to go to, will you, make, will you make it happen for us as we step out and step into what you've called us to? Would you, would you help us to, to, to figure out the, the timing and, and the Holy Spirit strategy? But really, we just go in with the story of our lives. Help us to see that fulfilled, finish that assignment and, and tell that good news. And then for those who, of us that we don't have one come to mind, would you speak? Would you show? Would you put their face before us or their name in our mind? And then would you help us to step into that? And I know that for some, it will feel awkward and like we're going into a firing squad. But if I go into a firing squad that you put me in front of, it can't get any better. Because you say in Isaiah, you'll hold me up with your victorious right hand. Help us to be five, 600 people who say yes to living on mission because it's about the one, because people are the mission. In your name we pray, amen. For more messages and full services, visit hcfburnit.org or the Church Center app and connect with us on social media.